I uh, want to pick this up uh, directly going back to uh, the case study in the life of King Saul. I mean, you know, it's a remarkable story. The Lord picked him out of all the people of Israel to be king. That's remarkable. You know, the Lord has picked you to do things as well. And I'm over in 1 Samuel 10, if you want to follow along, and just want to remind you of these. If there were certain things that went with the transformation of Saul, and they're biblical, of course, you can also have them in your life. So when we talk about transformation, we're not just talking about, well, you know, you're a little kinder, a little nicer, maybe you look a little more handsome or pretty, whatever. No, we're talking about real tangible spiritual benefits and fruit in your life because of the transforming power of God. And you have a right to believe for these things. The Bible says, And Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? When you leave me uh, today, you'll meet two men near Rachel's tomb, Elzelzah, on the border of Benjamin. And they'll say to you, The donkeys you set out to look for have been found. And now your father has stopped thinking about you and is worried about you. He is asking, What shall I do about my son? You will go on from there until you reach the great tree of Tabor. And three men going up to worship God at Bethel will meet you there. One will be carrying three young goats, another three loaves of bread, and another a skin of wine. They will greet you and offer you two loaves of bread, which you will accept from them. After that, you'll go to Gibeah of God, where there is a Philistine outpost. As you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high place with lyres, timbrels, pipes, and harps being played before them. And they will be prophesying. Listen to this carefully. The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, or mightily upon you, and you will what? Prophesy. You will prophesy with them. And highlight this, mark this, and you will be changed into a different person. And what we're saying here is, of course, when the Word of God is something you stay under, and when you expose yourself consistently to the Spirit of God, transformation is going to be the result. God is interested in changing us into a different person. Now, you've come a long, long way. Come on, let's give the Lord a good amen over that. But we've got more to go. And uh, that's where the the humility comes in and and being circumspect and guarding your own heart in terms of where you're at. But notice again these wonderful things that he has associated in this story as a revelation of what it means to be changed into a different person. Divine promotion came with that out of nowhere This man was raised up to be king. And what he did there, he's able to do for you. Amen. All you need to be is available. Open and honest and ready for God to use you in a mighty way. Divine direction is another aspect of this life change. You're never going to be without direction. And if you are, it's not because God doesn't want to give it to you. It's because you're not listening to what he has to say. Can I have an amen? Divine restoration. The donkeys were lost. The donkeys were found. I don't know what's been broken, destroyed, lost in your life, but God is the God of restoration. He's able to bring it back and not back like it was, but better than it ever was. I'll tell you this. I found out that God is an expert at restoration in your life. Just continue to believe God. No matter what's happened, there's nothing get, you know so broken, so bad, that God can't turn that thing around. Divine increase. They give him loaves of bread, and you know what? God is our provider today, isn't he, church? Amen. Divine gifts, prophecy. This man's not never operating in the gifts of the Spirit before, but there he is. Divine transformation or the changed life, literally changed into a different person. Divine blessing on the work of his hands. Basically, whatever you do, God's going to bless because God is with you. Sounds a lot like what he said of Joseph, isn't it? Yes. When God is with you, what you put your hand to is blessed because it's not just you alone doing it. You have supernatural power and authority with you. Divine blessing, divine instruction. Samuel said, I will tell you what you are to do. I don't care how high and mighty we get, we still have to be under subjection, amen, to authority and listen to what God has for us to do. And then there's divine platform where others have watched and seen what God has done for you. And whenever you have a platform, whenever you have been raised up in the eyes of other people, make sure you do it for the glory of God. Make sure you pass that glory back on to Him. Amen? Because the platform is not about your agenda, your kingdom. He gave you that platform to advance the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I see some things in here I want in 2023. Are you all in agreement today? So whatever really is maybe the biggest need area in your life, you just begin to confess that every single day and watch what the Lord will do. 
We talked about this Sunday, what not to do if you want to keep your transformation. There are a lot of stories, I would say, that are, that are sad because they started out really phenomenally, <laughs> but they ended up basically very negatively or very poorly. And, and this is one of those cases where uh, he was raised up out of all the people of Israel, all the men in Israel, to be king. And he started out so well, uh, just like Uzziah started out so well as king under the tutelage of Zechariah. Next thing you know, he's off in the Prideville, and it ruins his life, it ruins his kingship, it ruins everything God had for him. Same thing with Gehazi. I have often wondered, and I still would like to know, just how much that man would have accomplished for the kingdom of God. Had he not got his eyes on stuff, had he not defied what God actually said. So the first thing that you don't need to be doing if you're going to experience full transformation is defying God in your life. Now this means this is not some gray area. This is not what ifs. God has plainly made it clear to you and to me, you should not be doing this or you should be doing this. And to defy him is to shut down your transformation. If you don't believe that, just, you know, think about Uzziah. Think about Gehazi. And what happened there? The second thing you, you don't need to do is pass the buck. If you blow it, then take responsibility for it. Yeah. We live in a generation that doesn't want to do that anymore. Everybody else is to blame for what's going on. No, if we blew it, we take responsibility for it. I wonder what would have happened if Saul, when rebuked about the fact that he did not take out the Amalekites, he did not take out the king, he did not destroy their animals, he claimed repeatedly to do what God told him to do, and finally the prophet says, well, how come I hear those animals? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's terrible when the animal's testifying against you. Yeah. <laughs> You're telling the prophet one thing and the animal is contradicting you. Well, that was proof that he didn't do what he was supposed to do. What do you know the, the proper response would have been to repent right there? Yes. yes. Did it work for other people in the Bible? Yeah. yeah, when the prophet pointed his finger in David's face, you know what David said? It was Bathsheba's fault. No. He took responsibility. Now, did it affect him and his family? Yes, sin always does. But he was able to be restored to a measure. We don't know what would have happened had he not done this. But you can see that God responds to a humble heart. And instead of doing that, Uzziah, and just like Saul, just like Gehazi, there's no record of them repenting and responding to God correctly in this situation. And that's what you don't want to operate in your life, is this tendency to blame other people for where you are. I want to say, if I blew it, it's my fault. I own it. And it really shouldn't be a surprise that from time to time you're going to blow it. Look at somebody and tell them, you haven't arrived yet. So shock and awe. You know what's a bigger mistake than blowing it? Passing the buck. In Washington, that's a skill. That's an art form. It should not be an art form in your life. Number three, don't compare yourself. It's unwise. Every step Saul took was deeper and deeper into a compromised position. And David had a great annoyance on his life for doing battle and for leading and for war making, and he was very successful. And the people began to sing. Saul has killed what? His thousands. And David? His tens of thousands. And you know, the scripture makes it very plain. This galled Saul, and watch this language. The Bible says that he, from that point on, he kept a jealous eye on David. He should have seen him as an advocate. David was not his problem. Saul's problem was whom? Saul. Was Saul. So, you know, he, he shouldn't be passing the buck, but he also shouldn't be comparing himself. That's still pretty good if you're taking out thousands. Yeah. This is before modern warfare, people. This is not. We just lobbed in some bomb from a thousand, you know, several, you know, 50, 60,000 feet up in the air. This is hand to hand. This is pretty good. And this is the way we get. We don't realize what we have in our lives pretty good. So we look at other people and see what they have or what they're doing. And, and you have no idea, you know, how they got where they're at or what's going on. You don't even know if they're being obedient. You're impressed with them. You assume they're on the right path because they have some measure of success by comparison to you. But you have no idea even if they're walking in what God has called them to do. So the only way that you can tell for sure what's going on, the only, only person you can know for sure whether you're walking in the will of God or not is you. Amen? Turn to somebody and tell them, keep your eyes, keep your eyes. Off, of off of other people. If you can pay yourself and you think you're doing better, then pride is a possibility. 
If you look at somebody else and compare yourself and you come up short, then inferiority and insecurity comes up. And both of those are destructive. In fact, I've said this a lot to a lot of people, a lot of leaders and staff recently, that if somebody is treating you in, a, in an inappropriate manner, there's no reason for what they're doing, how they're acting towards you, whether they were friendly and all of a sudden they have the cold shoulder or whatever it is, 99% of the time it's because they operate in a spirit of insecurity. It's not you that it really has the problem. They have the problem. It's a spirit of insecurity, and part of that is, is driven by things like comparison. So, you know, the apostle told us in, in the New Testament, he who compares himself with others is not wise. Say it with me, it's not wise. Keep your eyes on the Lord, keep your eyes on the Word, and just do what He tells you to do. Do you know that your only obligation today is to do what He tells you to do today? You're not even guaranteed tomorrow. I mean, the, the, you know, the trumpet could sound tonight. That's it. <laughs> and here you are worried about where you're going to be in 5, 10, 20 years. Focus on today. It seems to me there's a scripture somewhere about that. <laughs> Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And there you are worried about 20 years from now. How about you just take care of God's will tomorrow? You know, a funny thing will happen if you'll make up, wake up tomorrow and say, I'm going to do God's will today and do the same thing, you know, on, on Friday as well as Thursday and Saturday and Sunday. Guess what's going to happen? You'll be doing the will of God every day. That's and that's your pathway to transformation. Not looking around and see what everybody else is doing on Thursday or Friday. It's not somebody not doing God's will that blocks your transformation. It's you not doing God's will that blocks your transformation. Number four, don't mingle with spirits. You're of the Holy Spirit. That's right. Amen. Do not entertain things that contradict God in His presence and the Holy Spirit. Do not mingle spirits. Do not expose yourself to things you know that are they're not correct. And unfortunately, it's not that simple anymore. I mean, some people carry those spirits. Uh, some entertainment venues carry those spirits. Uh, you know, some people you're associated, you know, associated with in your family, they, they care of that stuff. You have to be real careful about what you allow into your heart and you mingle that stuff. And next thing you know, you're involved in spiritism. You're involved in spiritualism. You're doing things that you thought you'd never do. I don't think when Saul was called to be king, he ever thought he'd be summoning a dead spirit of a form of a prophet. I don't think that that kind of behavior was in his thinking. But that's where he came to because he realized that whatever power there was, whatever anointing is lifted off of his life because of disobedience, the transformation stopped. He was changed into a different person. And guess what? He never moved forward. And actually, he just continued to slide back. So in desperation, he's looking for some supernatural help. People do the same thing today. Instead of going to God, the God of all power, They'll play around with horoscopes and Ouija boards. They'll play around with tarot cards and readers. They'll try everything under the sun except going to God. The other day, I, I saw a clip of people, and there was some kind of a festival, and they were actually walking up to Satan. It's actually, actually asking to be unbaptized. What? What? Oh, my word. And you could almost sense the demon jumping on these people as they did. And so they would take some kind of a compound, I don't know what it was, and they would do some sign in reverse of the cross. And then the person would sit there and let them do it on their forehead and then somebody would yell, Hail Satan. This is where these people are today. Uh, I don't know what happened in these folks' spiritual formation, but somewhere along the line, transformation stopped. And that was not their first encounter with Satanism. It is literally everywhere. And you have to be on your guard. Be discerning. That's why we have general discernment through the Word of God. But we also have the ability to have discerning of spirits through the Spirit of God. This is one of those gifts every person in this room right now, because of where we're at as a nation, you should be asking every day, God, let me flow in the gift of discerning of spirits. And let me just take a moment to reacquaint you with this or explain this to you if you never understood it. It's very simply the supernatural ability to discern the source of an utterance, a happening, an occurrence, a phenomenon, a manifestation. And there are only three choices here. Aren't you glad there aren't 50,000 of them? <laughs> There's just three. That came from the human spirit, say human spirit. It came from the Holy Spirit, say Holy Spirit. Or it came from a demonic spirit. 
And you have to be discerning about what you're exposing yourself to. You have to be alert and aware. You know, that devil's out there, and he is toothless, but he's out there still, you know, milling about, trying to seek somebody that he can what? Devour. And how does he do it? He, he Listen, he he's without teeth, but he still has a mouth. And that mouth spews lies and deception. It's absolutely unbelievable how many people, even in the church, are dealing with severe depression and constant suicidal ideation. It's even more just, you know, disheartening to see people treat this as not a big deal. It is a big deal. You have no right to take what God put on this earth and take it away. You have no authority to do so. It is a slam against the nature of God for people to do that. And yet you see it happening all the time. Why would somebody born again, some of these even spirit-filled, even entertain those ideas it's because there's demon activity against their mind. Now, where did it come from? What was the open door? How did that thing get entrance into their lives? It just didn't happen accidentally. No. I can tell you it didn't come from here. No. But it came from somewhere. So you'll make sure that you are not mingling in your life with, with the spirit that you are of, the Holy Spirit, exposing yourself to things you know, that are contrary to the Word of God that nonetheless can have all kinds of, of consequences in your life. You know, he doesn't, he's not going to take you out, but he can certainly give you the impetus to do so yourself or demonize you to affect somebody else's life and harm them. You see, ordinary people like this young man that was in Idaho who uh, killed those, what, four or five people? Stabbed them to death. He's a criminology PhD student. I guess studying in it wasn't enough for him. He had to go actually go do it. Who inspired him to do that? He's a liar, he's a thief, he's a murderer. But guess how he's doing most of the lying, thieving, and the murdering? By inspiring other people, by demonizing them. Say, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm not going to be possessed by, by some demon. You're missing the point. As long as you have a mind and it can be in a state of flux of either renewal or non-renewal, you can be subject to any suggestion from any source out there that's actually in the universe. And he's very, very active. He, he knows his days are numbered. Yes. Amen. You know, in Revelation, the Bible talks about the accuser of the brethren. The reason he's so active is he knows his days are numbered. Folks, that was 2,000 years ago. How much more active is he now? Yeah. Yeah. So be discerning. If you feel a check in your spirit about being around somebody, watching something, reading something, by all means, don't ignore that. Pay attention to what's happening because you can find yourself not necessarily committing suicide or doing some horrible deed, some kind of murder, some monstrosity, but you could see yourself on a shelf until Jesus returns because the influence was enough to shut down your purpose and destiny in this life. Don't defy God. Don't pass the buck. Don't compare yourself. Don't mingle spirits. We have no business. Light is not in fellowship with darkness. Amen. We're to come out of them. Amen. Be separate, the Lord tells us. And he'll be what? He'll be a father to us. He'll be a provider. He'll be a God to us. But there's no fellowship with light and darkness. And I'm telling you that uh, it's gotten to the point that even in some churches, they're inviting the darkness right into their pulpits. Now, you should be loving everybody. And I don't have to, you know, you know, not love somebody to have some standards and have you know a certain decorum in the house of God. And I don't need a transsexual in the pulpit to help me understand the position of a transsexual. No, that's right. I understand full well what's going on. Now why on earth would I ever expose a congregation to the demon that's driving that kind of confusion? Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? You've got to be on your toes and not just out in the world. Be careful what you're exposing yourself to. Well, I've got a new revelation. I've been listening to this YouTube channel, this Facebook, or I've been getting this person's tapes or CDs or whatever it is. And you notice that in your life, you're not becoming more loving, but less loving. Not more kind, but less kind. Not less belligerent, more belligerent. I don't care what you're listening to. It ain't working for you. Pure doctrine will always produce more of the fruit of the Spirit. Yes. If the disposition is not right, the doctrine is not right, period. Let's be careful out there. It's out there. And we're talking about you becoming what God's destined you to become. Yes. Say it with me, transformation. transformation. 
every day until Jesus comes. Say it every day. But you're not going to get that playing around with fire. And if you're a parent, you have an even greater responsibility to guard your own heart, but guard the lives of your kids as well. You don't run around judging everything, condemning everything, running your mouth about everything, but do protect yourself and do protect the little ones that are around you. It can be very, very simple. I used this illustration the other day, and you know, Julianne watches Bluey, and all of a sudden they throw this in there, an entire episode on the magic arts. Out of nowhere, they bring this in there. And they sow the seed that the magic arts are for good. It's exactly what the devil wants you to believe. Well, she won't be watching that. You see what I'm saying to you? Because you don't know who is involved creatively with something. You say, well, that's legalism. No, my friend, that's wisdom. That's right. Amen. Exactly. Amen. And uh, they're about, you know, uh, I don't know, a dozen entertainment uh, operations right now, and they control most of what's coming out. Just be very, very discerning. Now, it's not fair to the Christian producers and actors out there to throw everything, like the baby out with the bathwater. That's not fair, and that's not Christian either. Well, it's all terrible, it's all horrible. No, if you don't support what they're doing, they'll never get those projects off the ground again. Amen? Just like with the chosen. Uh, Jesus did not deny healing James the less. That does not mean I can't support and get behind what they're doing as a whole. I'm just not going to let that particular word get in my spirit. He paid a high price to heal James the less. Jesus, I know, is not going to turn him down. That's coming from man's religion and his filter and his anti-supernatural bias. It gets gets in there. So even in Christian stuff, be discerning. If you're listening and watching the Christian broadcasting, be careful. They give you a big dissertation about how it's okay to socially drink. You need to pay attention to what you're listening to out there, church. They don't call them spirits for nothing. Oh, Pastor, are you going to go there? Probably. Do you know that every time I've ever brought up the subject of alcohol, I lost a member? I'm done with that in Jesus' name. Amen? And I'm wanting you going to get offended. And if you get offended over me bringing up alcohol, you got something wrong with you. Why are you defending that for? You're supposed to be defending the faith. Can I have a better amen than that? Amen. So where do I get that from? The writer of Proverbs says it's not for kings, O Lemuel, to partake of strong drink or wine. You're a king and a priest together with God. We've taught people they're pew warmers and pew sitters and, and sitting in the seats. They're not really kings and priests unto God. And if you're just a, a lowly church attender, you get to do what you want. But when you realize you're a king or a priest, you start living up to the standard of a king or a priest. And your judgment is impaired when you expose yourself to things like that. Amen. Amen. Now, this is supposed to be a Pentecostal holiness background church. Y'all to be clapping, amen, running around, doing, doing leaps over the seats. And then if you're not, maybe that stuff's starting to suck into you as well. Nothing's ever come good from it. Amen. Amen. Nope. Amen. Um, but, I mean, it shouldn't take a rocket scientist of a Christian to figure out that if there's a sign out there that says wine and spirits, and your pastor said don't mingle with other spirits, <laughs> that one should be pretty self-explanatory. Amen. <laughs> it doesn't mean somebody that imbibes is going to hell. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that transformation is not going to happen when we make excuses and allowances for things. Instead of crucifying the flesh, we make allowances right. for the flesh. Amen. Amen. Um, this came to me by way of revelation and strong correction. I grew up in a culture, in a church culture. I mean, I, we used to have spaghetti dinners in the Lutheran church, and they would serve everybody wine, including the kids. German Lutheran background. It's, it's just part of the culture. Well, you can say that. But then one day you realize that when you left darkness, came into light, you are to adopt a new culture. Right. Yeah. That's right. I'm going to go over here and preach. A new Amen. culture. I am no longer part of the German Christian culture that allows certain things. 
I'm part of the culture where the Holy Ghost told me as I sat there with a cup in my hand, those old red party cups that somebody handed me from a kegger the night I graduated from high school and said it very plainly. You can drink that and partake of that, but you'll never be anointed like I've called you to be. You can have this or the anointing. Boy, it didn't take me very long at all to get with the program. When I began to understand that I'd rather have new wine than that. But that's not for anybody here tonight. That's for somebody online, no doubt. It's for somebody watching right now. <laughs> it, it, it may have dawned on you by now, but in a word church and a spirit-filled church, the Spirit of God has the right to say anything He wants at any time He wants. That's right. And oftentimes things come out that freak the devil out and freak people that are out that are yielding to it. Yes. I don't want to be anywhere that's not a word church and not a spirit-filled church that doesn't honor the things of the Spirit of God. I want prophecy and tongues and interpretation and healings and signs and wonders and miracles. I mean, we don't need them less. We need them more. Amen. So be careful out there. Amen. Reminds me of the old Hill Street Blues, the old sergeant. Let's be particularly careful out there today. <laughs> I just dated myself, didn't I? <laughs> I was 10 years old when that show came out. That's, I'm just going to leave it right there. Amen. <laughs> yeah. But let's be particularly careful out there. Not careful in terms of taking your cares, but just realizing what's out there. Because I know what God has assigned to us to be transformed. And um, our energy should not be trying to defend the things we're allowing in our lives or making provision for the flesh, but crucifying the flesh. And it's not about judging each other and putting each other down. You walked around in condemnation. I hope we dealt with that sufficiently last week. But it is about realizing how, write this down, okay, it'll help you. Ask yourself this question every single day when it comes to this concept of, of mingling. How can I be the most anointed version of myself? Not what can I do to get away with it and still go to heaven. But what can I do to be the most anointed version of myself? What can I do to stimulate, to expand, to increase that anointing? That's where we should be going in these last days. So when you get up tomorrow, you're thinking, well, you know what? I can put some praise music on. I can get into the Word. I can listen to some good faith-building material. I can make some list of confessions, confess them. I can be sensitive to the Holy Spirit because, you know, the anointing will flow through you Amen. and impact you as it does flow through you. A lot of needs out there. Say it with me. Ask the Holy Ghost Ghost. how How I can be be more anointed anointed day by day. day. And I'm confident of this. He's never going to tell you to go down to the liquor store and get you a fifth of Jack Daniels. That'll help you be anointed. You understand what I'm saying to you? God's standard for you is higher than just what you were taught religiously. It's what is the Holy Ghost saying right now about your life. There is no chapter and verse that said, Art, put that beer down, that you got at that party. But there was a Holy Ghost. Yes. And He's still speaking today. Yes, it's the same thing in our lives. The Bible can say, Husbands, love your wives. But the Holy Ghost can tell you specifically how to love your wife. Do something for them. Handle Something. That's what we're talking about here. The difference between just living your life by some religious code versus step by step by the Holy Ghost. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Uh, I mentioned Raymond K. Levine before. He was my uh, uh, Old Testament professor. Great guy. Uh, he eventually went home to be with the Lord, but one of the sharpest minds on the Old Testament I'd ever you know, been exposed to. And he used to say a couple of interesting things. Uh, he would say, you know, you sin. He had that Old Testament mentality, you pay kind of a thing. In other words, if you don't repent, there's consequences for what's going on. I mean, know that's biblical. But he also say things like this. Jesus didn't come to, to lessen the standard. Jesus came and tightened the screws. And how does Jesus do that? Through the Word of God. Things in your transformation begin to fall off. Ways of thinking begin to disappear that are not profitable. Practices that maybe you made excuses for and, and room for, you no longer do that. Because what you have to realize is that behind all that stuff is a spirit that you shouldn't be mingling with. Mm-hmm. Amen? Say it with it. We're Holy Ghost people. We have no business mingling with familiar spirits. And they're everywhere. Amen?
Number five, don't throw spears. Saul became a champion spear thrower. (laughs) You're never going to get to where you're supposed to get your transformation if you do not get a handle on your mouth, on your tongue, on your lips. Um, No, you won't pick up some little, you know, metal tipped spear and throw it back at somebody, but the words of your mouth. I love the devotional today in KCM's Faith to Faith that talked about how do you go from messes to miracles? Your mouth. Brother Osteen used to say, there's a miracle in your mouth. You've got to change what you're doing with your mouth if you really want to see yourself go to the next level. Um, Your life and what you do with the confession of your mouth are completely tied and always will be. But don't let yourself throw spears. Amen? Choose to love anyway. That takes me to these tips for maintaining your transformation. Make this confession. I am maintaining... My transformation. Number one is honesty, humility, and brokenness. They go all together. You look at Psalm 51, you kind of see David's response here to his sin. It's about being honest with where you are right now. If you've been exposing yourself, for example, to some spirit, or you've been throwing spears at people, it's time to be honest, truthful, humble, and broken about it. Broken does not mean God running you over with a Mack truck and breaking every bone in your body is a proof he can heal you because he's God, he'll do that. No, we're talking about brokenness of heart or spirit in terms of your own sense of where you are compared to his holiness. How many know there is a big gap between you and the Lord versus you and other people? That's why you don't compare yourselves with another reason. If I compare myself to Diane here, you know, or she compares herself to me, we may see some kind of difference. But if either of us compare ourselves to the Lord, well, shut our mouths, amen. <laughs> because the gap is huge. The chasm is huge between where we are and where he is. So what do we do? We repent. Write this down. Authentic repentance. There are people out there teaching that a Christian never has to ask forgiveness and a Christian never has to repent. I don't know what Bible they're reading. The, the perversion of the concept of grace has gone so far that I don't even have to do anything anymore. He knows I'm forgiven and whatever. All I can tell you is this. The Bible is filled with stories of people who didn't repent, didn't go well for them, and it's filled with stories of people who did repent, and God turned those situations around. If we sin, we what? We repent. We have an advocate, amen. He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, but you and I have a responsibility to do this. And so authentic repentance is based on humility and honesty and being forthright with the Lord. He knows it. You're not informing him of what you did. No. No. I guess I got to tell the Lord what I did. He's he's all-knowing. He knows what you did. This is about you having a right relationship with him, having nothing between you and the Lord. That's on you. So if you're going to keep your transformation, what you're going to have to do is live this life of authentic, you know, repentance in your life. You say, well, I don't have anything to repent of right now. We're not talking about right now. We're talking about all year long. (laughs) He may start dealing with you tomorrow about something he's never talked to you about. He may bring something up from the past that you didn't handle correctly. And you think he forgot about it. He doesn't forget. He may bring up a command that you just set aside from years ago. And now you're in a place to listen to him. You've kind of been tempering his voice and putting it down and living that way. Just barely this little, you know, level level one kind of existence in the shallows. And now all of a sudden you're going deep and he's talking to you in a way. The response is repentance, authentic repentance. Amen. And if you go through this year and you have to repent about anything, I question how transformed you've been this year. Amen. And I don't have to be a prophet to say that. I just have to know people. Amen. Even Rodney's got some growing to do. (laughs) Kelly's not saying anything over there. (laughs) (laughs) Say it with me. Authentic. Authentic. Repentance. Repentance. Number two, a desire to change. Jesus cried out, Matthew 23, 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. 
you weren't willing to let me work in your life. The Bible tells us in Isaiah, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Say it, I'm willing and I'm obedient. Number three is exposure. We talked about this earlier in the series. Exposure to the Word, to the Spirit of God, and to the church. Every service, every opportunity, you make room for the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the people of God. Your mind's being renewed according to Romans 12 and Ephesians 4 and Isaiah 55. You're encountering the Spirit of God according to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. From glory to glory, the Spirit of God is transforming you, and you are able to experience the same kind of transformation that Saul had. When the Spirit of God comes on you, you'll be changed into a different person. But you need to be exposed to the Word, to the Spirit of God, to the people of God routinely. And the people out there that think they don't have to be a part of a church well, you can make that decision, but you'll never transform fully into what God has you because we don't transform in isolation. Right. No. We, sure don't. we just don't. And that's very popular out there. I got, I got my Bible. I can read it for myself. I just read the Bible and do what it tells me to do. Well, you're not reading it very carefully because it tells you don't forsake the assembly of yourselves together. I know you aren't reading it. So don't tell me you got your Bible and you're reading it on your own because if you are, you're not paying attention to what it says because it would direct you back into the house of God for sure. Amen. You know, saints of old, as well as the New Testament, they long to be in the courts of the Lord. Yes. They long to be in the house of God. Yes. And there's something wrong with you when you have no desire be to be in prayer or the Word or, you know, expose the presence of God. You have no desire to be in church. Well, you know, I just, you know, church is just kind of boring to me. You get your misunderstanding here. God was never, he never ordained the church to be ringling brothers for you. A church has an altar for the fun thing of dying on. We have praise and worship to honor the one who is, amen, and who was and who is to come. He is the first and he is the last. He's the alpha, he's the omega. He deserves all of our praise. Yeah, it's fine if you have a great time in church and I want you to enjoy church, but if you think we're here to entertain you, that is not what we're here to do. But if you look around, lots of people in the church are entertaining. You'll laugh. You'll. <laughs> but that's that mindset. And so what's happened is we have leaders, and I say the capital we, you know, in general, have dumbed things down so that our focus is on replicating an enjoyable experience so people will return rather than seeing them transform. It's epidemic. Doc Barkley calls them placebo churches. A form of godliness, but denying the power of God. You know what the apostles said to do about that? Hang around it? No. Desire and then exposure. Number four is diligence. You keep doing what you're doing. Diligence is steady application to any endeavor or business. It's steady application, which means we catch you in January, you're under the Word, fellowshipping with the Spirit, and in church. Catch you in October, guess where you're going to be? In the Word, exposed to the Spirit, and in the house of God. Five years from now, where are we going to find you if you're diligent? Still under the Word, still in the presence of God, still fellowshipping with God's people because you are diligent. And yes, it's on you to watch the condition of your heart, guard your heart with what? All diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. Proverbs chapter 4. It's great to read from about verse 18 throughout verse 23. It's wonderful uh, material. The Bible tells us this in 1 Timothy 4.16. He said to his son Timothy, watch your life and your doctrine carefully. Watch your lifestyle and what you're believing. Who's supposed to do it? Hey, I'm Paul. I'm Apostle Paul, but I can't do it for you, is what he's saying. You need to guard your heart. You need to watch your life and your doctrine carefully. I find it that uh, as a pastor, that when somebody starts going haywire, when somebody starts, you know, falling apart spiritually and things don't go well and they start doing goofy things and whatever's going on in their life is not consistent with the, the devoted life or transformed life, they're either doing something in their conduct or that some wacky thinking got in there thinking about what the Word of God says or doesn't say. Yeah. It's usually one of those two things, and sometimes they're both, 
But you, Paul says to Timothy, you guard your heart. You make sure you watch over your life, say it with me, my life, my life. And, my and my beliefs in Jesus' name. Timothy said something very powerful at the beginning of the year. He said to me, he said, you know what? I'm, I'm not much into resolutions. I'm just going to be consistent. Yeah, that is good. Everybody say, I'm just going to be consistent. <laughs> um, if you stand under the word and fellowship with the spirit of God, stay in the house of God at the end of the year, you will see yourself more transformed than you ever were before. Number five, trust. Trust that if you do these things, he's going to complete the work in you. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, the very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it unto the day of Jesus. Remember the transfiguration where they saw Jesus for who he actually was? Mm -hmm. Saw the white and the light and the purity. That's a picture of where we're headed. And the Bible promises us that he's going to get us there. Amen. Amen. Say, so I'm getting there in Jesus' name. Now, transformation requires... You know, like you and I uh, adopt some very, you know, you know, specific habits in life. And I just uh, been meditating, uh, you know, a little bit on the like the life of, uh, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And we know that uh, the mission that he had, and it's obvious the results that uh, he's produced. But how many you know the path he went down was not an easy path to go? People weren't cheering for him in his household or outside of his household. You know, in his race, outside of his race. It was a very, very tough time, and somebody would have to have a divine call to do the things that he actually did. Now, uh, a white racist right now would say, well, you know, he wasn't perfect. He did this, he did that. Can I tell you something? Stop looking at what people do wrong and start looking at what they do right. Because that's the way we would like to be evaluated in our own lives. None of these people are perfect. No. Amen. Some people want to want to dynamite Mount Rushmore because they don't like the fact that there may have been some imperfections in the in the men whose faces are enshrined there. You know what? I'll tell you what. When you're perfect, then you can blow up somebody else's face. Yeah. But until then, just shut up. Yeah. Yeah. The arrogance of people to criticize somebody else. We're going to tear this thing down, tear that statue down. We're going to go over here and blow this up. No, why don't you just focus on, on you and your life and transform you? Um, I don't know, but it, it, it'd be some undertaking to, to knock down Mount Rushmore. I can tell you that right now. But um, not if Governor Nome has anything to do with it. <laughs> I can see you're sitting out there with two handguns. Amen. Come on. <laughs> I'll take you on. It's not going to happen. But uh, what kind of example had, had he laid out? Well, one is persistence. If you're going to transform in your own life and bring transformational change in your life and through your life, you're going to have to have persistence. Um, I probably don't think he enjoyed being spat upon, you know, people trying to run him over, locked him up repeatedly, put water cannons on him, sick dogs after him for doing nothing more than just speaking his mind and his conviction. I don't think he enjoyed all that. More than one person close to him told him to give up that mission. It was going to come to a, to a, to a, a swift end, and it was probably going to take his life. He would not deviate from that. That's the way you have to be to what God has called you to do. Not if it's easy. Because it wasn't easy. But how you know it's worth it, though? No matter the odds, no matter the opposition, you don't give up on what God has assigned you to do. You don't give up on your transformation, no matter how tough it is. Number two is the example of priorities. It's stunning to me that uh, he could go through what he went through and stay in love all that time. It's stunning to me, no matter what was said about him or done to him, he would consistently reply, you know, the greatest of these is love. And I'm not resorting to anything but the love of God. I don't know about you, but when somebody does something to me, I don't want to love them. I want to give them the left hand of fellowship, amen, <laughs> and the, the right kick of fellowship. But not only did he have this persistence, he had his priorities of what's most important in life. Look, if you're going to transform, you're going to have to do the same thing. No matter what happens to you this year, you have to make up your mind that what God is doing in me is more important. And I'm not coming out of love just because something didn't go well. Amen. I'm going to say, I'm going to stay in love. Faith worketh by love. 
Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. People egg him on. You know what? You should, you should incite a right. You know, you should do it this way. You should do it that way. And he just would not consent. And eventually, the man of peace and of love was struck down by some hater's bullet. Are you here today? Say it with me. Persistence. Priorities. The greatest of these is what? Love. Everything hangs on them. How do you want to see God's transformation in your life come to pass? Don't take the bait. Don't get bitter. Don't get offended. Don't walk in unforgiveness. Just choose to forgive and love everybody, no matter what they do, no matter what they say. That's how you live a life of victory. So it will be victory. And third is perspective. We rarely ever see personally the full weight and impact of the lives that we have lived. To a certain extent, that's true of everybody in this room. You know, most people will never come back and say, Bob, you know, when you did this or pray this, it impacted my life. Thank you for being there. Some will. 99% of them never will. But you will impact your life, your family, your future, this nation, because of how you're living, God, how you're being transformed right now. Um, he never saw it. He did not live to see the day where his children will be judged by what? Not the color of their skin, but the content of their character. He never saw it. He did not see it firsthand. But how many understand we're impacted by that today? Let me explain this to you a little bit further. The United States, this country, <laughs> has elected a black president twice a vice president that's black once, a secretary of state twice has served that role that is black, the uh, defense secretary, black, the national security advisor was black. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Mm -hmm. It seems to me that what he saw, mm -hmm. we have seen so much of it in our lives right now. Yes. And you have race baiters who want you to go back into a time when our nation was not as healthy as it is right now. And yes, there are people who are racist in America, but America is not racist. A nation, a land cannot be racist. People can only have those attitudes in their heart. And if you still have them, you've got your assignment for transformation. If you're aggravated about what I'm talking about right now, you probably have an issue with it. Thank you for your enthusiasm over that. Now, what you don't do is tell everybody they're racist and that everybody in here is caught by systemic racism and you'll have an issue. And until you admit that and become an anti-racist, then you're just a racist. Let me tell you something. No, you aren't a racist because somebody tells you you are. Somebody calls you a racist, they're the racist. Are you here? Well, watch this. I'm going to read you a list of predominantly white nations that have never elected a person of color to the highest offices of the land. And most of these nations, their constitutions and their existence are far older than ours. The reality is this nation is ahead of the curve, yes. not behind. And you've been lied to. Right. That's the power of a dream. That's the power of persistence. Actually, it's something really... Now, don't get me wrong. I don't have anything in common with Barack Obama's policies. But I can stand before the Lord and say, I did not vote against him because of the color of his skin. Right. I voted Amen. against him because of the content right. of his character and That's because right. of his positions. That's exactly. That's right. Because the same people like that voted against him supported Ben Carson. So it can't be a color thing. But I'm just pointing this out to you. The race baiters need some transformation. And anybody in the church is still carrying this spirit, you need some transformation in your life. As long as England and the United Kingdom has been, there's never been a prime minister that is black. You think about that. Never been one in Canada. Because we're so socially conscious up there. <laughs> never been one in France. Never been one in Germany or Belgium, or Luxembourg, or Spain, or Italy, or Portugal, or Poland, or Russia, or Latvia, Lithuania, or Estonia, or Australia, or Bulgaria, or the Czech Republic, or Slovenia, 
or Belarus or Ukraine or Bosnia, Serbia, Macedonia, Greece, Turkey, Lebanon, Israel, Syria, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, India, Pakistan, Afghanistan, Burma, Singapore, Indonesia, Australia, Japan, China, North Korea, South Korea, Philippines, Mexico, Panama, Colombia, Brazil, Argentina, Chile, Ecuador. You get the point. But a black man has been elected twice in this country. We are not as perfect as some think we are, and we are not as evil as people have said we are. That's right. Amen. So what we do is say, well, we've arrived. No, we have transformation to go. We have individual people and individual pockets of our culture that need deliverance. There's no doubt about it. But there are other people who make their living off of race baiting and hatred. If they can't play the race card anymore, they have no more fundraising tools. That's an abomination in the eyes of God. Amen? So what should you do? If you want to transform, learn something from people like that who have paid the ultimate price to see a dream come to pass. Make up your mind you're going to persist. Amen? Make up your mind you're going to walk in love no matter what. And make up your mind that you're going to keep doing what you're doing if you never see the full benefit in this lifetime. Amen? You just keep on doing what God's called you to do. I don't see any results. I don't see anything changed. I don't see any good th- It doesn't make any difference. Which is, you're supposed to be walking by faith right. and not by sight. So whether you see things happen or not is irrelevant to whether they're actually happening. Do you know the moment you pray a prayer, God is moving? And you need to thank God that he's moving. He's operating in your life even if you don't see it all the time. That's the confidence of believing God. Say, I'm a believer. He said, ask anything in my name, and I'll do it. Well, I haven't seen him do it. Well, you don't know that he's not doing it. And are you standing in faith over it? Are you perceiving the situation correctly or incorrectly? Amen. Glory to God. Say it with me. I persist. I walk in love. And in Jesus' name, I have heavenly perspective. Amen. It'll be interesting to see what future generations look like in this nation as God roots out the remaining spirits, amen. America's best days are ahead of it. I'd like a better amen than that. America's best days are ahead of her, not behind her. That should be your confession. Not nearly done with the greatest mission-sending nation in the history of mankind. And there's not enough time for anybody to even catch up and pass us. We'll just keep doing what we're doing. Amen. That's right. Come on, give the Lord a big hand clap and thank him for it.